Welcome to the People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf filling in for Vic Nazar today, who is filling in for Dan Riccio on Canuck Central with Satyar Shah coming up a bit later. Uh, Josh Elliott Wolf going to be joined by Dominic Tremati producing today. And hello, guest wise, uh, John Mattis of The Score going to talk some hockey in about 10 minutes. And Danny Kelly, regular on The People Show, going to join just after 3 30, get into some football talk. After 3.30, you can text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line, Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or our beauties in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. And we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? lot going on including the Canucks taking on the Blues at Rogers Arena tonight. The debut of, it's confirmed now, those shiny helmets get pumped. I'm pumped. I think they look good. I'm excited. Um, But also taking on the Blues, who happen to be the team the Canucks last lost to in regulation. We'll see if they're fired up for that or if, uh, I don't know. The Blues are such an uninspiring team. That I don't know if it's a game you, you get up for, you know, if you're the Canucks. But also, you've only got two games before the bye week and the All-Star break. So, shouldn't be too difficult to to get up for two games and uh, get after it. Maybe some lineup changes as well. Rick Tockett didn't say whether or not he was going to. Are you having a nosebleed right now, Dom? What's going on? Yeah, I just blew my nose. Nosebleed started. Damn. To bring everyone behind the glass. Uh, yeah, just to paint a picture, Dom has a uh, tissue wrapped up and stuffed in his nose right now. I need my hands free to do the job. No, of course. I can't believe this has happened. Right as the show began. <laughs> right I'm like, oh, started. this could not have gone worse. Ah, man, the stress of uh, being behind the board has gotten to you oh, immediately. Yeah, right? alone, solo. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about the potential lineup changes for the Canucks. Not anyone coming in or out of the lineup, but potentially going away from the lotto line, which I'm pretty open to at this point. When it was cooking, look, you keep them together, ride it as long as you can. But we've reached the point where you're at, you're at the end of riding it as long as you can. And I would like to see some changes. Um, I think it's soaked long enough. Yeah. It it's has. time for some something fresh. It has. Um, and now you know as well that it's something you can always go back to. It's not something you need to roll with. It's something that you have in your hip pocket if you need to, especially once you're going down the stretch playing some difficult teams. If you need a goal late, you know what you can do, and you know that they still have the chemistry to make something happen. But uh, my ideal lineup right now, that I wanted to throw out there to the 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Text in how you would like maybe just the top six shaped up. And now you're coughing into the mic, Dom. What is going Don't on? Don't call me out. Stop. <laughs> 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Text in like your ideal top six with the Canucks right now. Here's mine. Um, it would be Niels Hoaglander playing with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, I, I feel like Hoaglander is... Look, it, it shouldn't be a permanent thing, but he's earned a shot in the top six with the way he's been playing recently. And I think that's a line you can just say, hey, go out there and do offense and 
you're probably going to have some success. And it puts Pedersen back at center, which is something I want to see as well. Um, maybe maybe a, a bit concerning in their own end, but you hope that the pros outweigh the cons with that. Ideal second line for me. I want to see Mikheyev with Miller and Besser and, and see how that goes. And then keep the third line the same. Lafferty, Suter, Oman would fill out the rest on the fourth line. Uh, another thing that we wanted to get into before we bring in John Mattis, uh, also 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line, uh, they're telling you to play through the pain, Dom. I'm here. And you're doing it. I'm, I'm proud of it. you. Um, another thing that came up today was the potential of potential of NHL expansion with uh, the Utah Jazz owner sending a letter to Gary Bettman being like, hey, I'd love a team. Please make it happen. And uh, wanted to get into some expansion talk. If it makes sense for the league, if they should pursue it, I don't know. Personally, I am not a fan. Like, you just got to 32 teams. Give it some time. We already see... Like, my main gripe with Yeah, this, I can't handle 33 thoughts. <laughs> it's too Eventually, many. 34? Oh, gosh. Where does it end? Um, but we're seeing right now, like, even the trade market this season... It's pretty thin, and you get to free agency. That's pretty thin as well. Like, but those expansion fees, though, Josh. Oh, man, think about that. Those expansion fees. Uh, that feels like the only benefit. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I I just don't think the NHL of all leagues should be the team to expand past 32 first. You know what I mean? The NFL's still at 32. NBA hasn't even gone past 30 yet. Baseball, I know they're they're in a different state of their growth and decline but they they're still at 30 i don't know i to me it doesn't make sense and yet it kind of feels like it's going that way it feels like it's going that way just because again to your point they just wanted they just want the money the mm-hmm. the expansion money was it like two billion for a franchise now it's a lot of money yeah um but this felt to me today like the nhl was saying to arizona hey get your stuff together or else you're moving to Salt Lake. See, I don't mind the idea of like moving a team to Salt Lake or moving a team to Atlanta. By the way, I would prefer Atlanta over Salt Lake. I know it's not worked twice. Third, third time's the third charm. Third time, maybe it does. Um, I prefer Atlanta just because of the market, and it's a it's a much bigger market. Um, TNT is in Atlanta. TNT is in Atlanta. I just don't think. Uh, I feel like they're so committed to Arizona at this point that it's going to work out. Yeah, but no. eventually. Yeah, but we, we've said that for so many years that you know, I don't think the eventually. Yeah, waiting for a a more permanent NHL size rank, and if that completely falls through, then and only then it seems like Gary Bettman will pursue other options. But yeah, I like the Atlanta idea. I was doing some research on on their average attendance and it would have been sucked when they sucked well they sucked the whole time yeah they were pretty bad their first year when they got the expansion team was their best year i believe they were over 70 or sorry not 70 that would be insane Seventeen thousand was their average attendance in their first year and then as they kind of went through it got as low as 13,000 and up to 16,000 so in that range their average ended up being just under 15k which 
for this season, if you were looking at this season in the NHL, they would be above the Coyotes, which, I mean, everyone's of above course. The they would be above the San Jose Sharks, which is fair. San Jose is bad. Yeah. And very surprising, or is it, they would be above the Winnipeg Jets. Not only by a couple thousand, by like 3,000. Which, yeah, but that's the smallest arena. In, well, yeah, but they're not Arizona. even selling out that arena, too. If they sold out the arena, they would be close to what Atlanta was at. Yeah. Like, Atlanta in their final year, before moving to Winnipeg, is had better attendance than Winnipeg has now as a team that's top five in the NHL. I don't know. We talk Winnipeg's little, just not a hockey market, man. Yeah, I've been saying this. But for real, we kind of talk a lot about Arizona moving. How do you feel about Houston as a relocation? I like it more than Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City just feels, and I don't know. Gives me more hockey vibes than. Does it? Well, Houston, Houston for sure. You got the mountains. It gives you more hockey vibes, but is it is it better if you're the NHL to go after a market that? Oh, Houston's the better TV market. Yeah, Houston and Salt Lake's like the Winnipeg of the USA. (laughs) Yeah. So I I don't know if if you just want the expansion fee and that's the city that you know is interested sure go for it but i would much prefer houston or atlanta it also comes down to ownership you know ryan smith's a stable owner Mm -hmm. can you get tom dundon in in houston maybe yeah maybe 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 let's keep saying maybe Maybe. and maybe it'll work let me call john for you yeah 650 650 dunbar lumber text line uh keep your text coming in uh, we are going to be joined by John Mattis of the score here in a moment. We'll throw this expansion idea by him and also get into uh, the Canucks and everything else that's happening around the NHL leading up to the trade deadline. And also, uh, I did want to get into the very, very hot Edmonton Oilers with John Mattis because they have been very scary. And I do, I'm interested to see how that final game between uh, the Canucks and Oilers go. There's also a lot of time between now and then. We'll see where these teams are, are at and performing by then. But I don't know. It's uh, Edmonton's getting a lot more frightening. Stuart Skinner's making some saves, and that really helps. Let's bring in our next guest. It is the People Show. Josh Elliott Wolf, joined now by John Mattis, senior NHL writer for The Score. Thanks for taking the time, John. How are you? Josh, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Doing well. Appreciate you uh, taking the time. We were just talking uh, expansion and the the letter that uh, went out today. Do you think it makes sense for the NHL at this point to go past 32 teams? So I actually wrote about this uh, in early January. Uh, talked to, you know, a dozen people or so at GMs, you know, uh, academics, etc. And... I mean, I didn't come to a, to a great conclusion whether, you know, I'm pro-expansion or anti-expansion. But I think what it ultimately comes down to uh, long-term is will the product be diluted uh, to, to an extent where the NHL product is just not very good? Uh, I think, you know, there's many different sort of tentacles to this whole thing. But I think it all honestly comes back down to if they go past 32 teams, if they welcome in another 23 roster spots for that 33rd team, or if they go to 34 teams, which is probably likely if you're going to 33, then you've got another 23. So 23 plus 23, 46. 46 new guys who are not in the NHL right now would be in the NHL. So there's some people that think, hey, there's 46 guys out there 
KHL, the Swedish League, the AHL that can slide right in. And obviously they're dis- distribu- distributed across the league. So it's not like these expansion teams are, are going to be terrible or something. It's that that new talent is spread out because of the expansion drafts. But it's still new talent. And, you know, the, there's it's one of those unknowns, right? Because we, we it's you can't find out or you can't, yeah, you can't find out until you do it. So it's strange because on one hand, you look at the product now versus before Vegas and Seattle joined the league and you go, if you squint close enough or, or, or hard enough, it's slightly worse, I would argue, but it's not that bad. Like you're not going, oh, they shouldn't have expanded to Seattle and Vegas. They definitely should have. So you got to have that same conversation for team number 33 and 34 and kind of weigh the pros and cons of accepting all that money uh, if you're the NHL uh, from these expansion franchises and 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 what the, the, the long-term vision here as far as the, the product on the ice. I do agree that the talent isn't incredibly spread out, but I, I agree it's not at where it was pre-expansion. But the the place where I think it's having the most impact is kind of the trade market, and we're seeing it this year where there's only a few big names on the trade market, and we're seeing it in free agency as well where the talent pool is kind of shrinking and teams are trying their best to sign these guys to long-term deals before they even get there because they know how difficult it's going to be to, to find guys in free agency or the trade market. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel like it would just be too soon if it were to happen even within the next three to five years, maybe a decade from now. But right now it just feels feels too soon, I guess. Well, that, that's a totally fair way to look at it because, uh, you know, we've had Vegas and Seattle come in and then we've also had this flat salary cap so it's really been, you know, a double whammy for, say, let's just use the Tampa Bay Lightning as an example. They've been just losing talent because of the expansion draft. And then also they're trying to re-sign these guys that are important to their core, but they just can't because they're up against the cap. So to sort of do that to to, to the Tampa Bays of the world again um, would obviously um, be not, not in their best interest. And, you know, there's other teams, the Avalanche, these teams that have really built themselves up and then now the leagues, you know, over, let's just say they expanded over the next few years, that'd be four players uh, gone from the roster over roughly a, a decade's time. And, and these teams put a lot of money into, into drafting these players, developing these players. And, you know, I don't know, you could argue like you don't want to hurt your elite teams, let your elite teams cook, let them, you know, I think the sport, uh, is better off if there's dynasties or, or there's at least the concept of dynasties or the possibility of dynasties. Um, and let's face it, the, the more teams you have, the harder it's going to be for teams to win year after year. I mean, even in t- for, for the story that I wrote, I talked to some NHL players about it and they were generally kind of like, yeah, sure, let's expand. But then, you know, the more you talk to them, the more they realize it's going to make it harder for them to win the cup. I mean, if you have, are one of whatever 750 players in the league right now um your chance is one out of 32 all things being equal well it becomes one out of 33 one out of 34 and that's not even discussing the whole playoff format 32 is such a good number because you have 16 teams that make the playoffs 16 teams that don't and you've also got these four divisions with eight teams okay you're gonna add two new teams to the mix are we gonna have a new playoff format is there gonna be a play-in tournament style um, Gary Bettman loves to tout this, uh, this NHL playoff system as, as the best in pro sports. Well, are they going to mix things up? Uh, because I don't know if, if, 
if having nine nine teams miss the playoffs in each conference is going to make a ton of sense as far as symmetry and as far as getting uh, fan bases excited about uh, the present and the future. So there's there's so many layers to this, but at the same time, the, the case four is that the, you know the NHL is in such a sweet spot with the amount of interest from not only Salt Lake but other markets in in bring franchises to their towns and. The, the, the whole billion dollars that they can get from these expansion fees is really hard to turn down. So it's almost like if the NHL is thinking big picture 20 years, well, let's strike while the iron is hot. Uh, the the uh, Senators just sold for 950. They're a small market team. You know, these bigger market teams are, are, are valued at, you know, two billion, two and a half billion. So they can really they have a ton of leverage when they're going to the negotiation table and and they can really cash in so if they're going to expand eventually it's almost like this this might be the right time it is the people show josh elliott wolf joined by john mattis of the score uh so currently around the nhl uh the canucks continue to just uh keep rolling you're outside looking in perspective how confident are you in this team and how much is your I guess opinion kind of changed on them as the season has gone on and as they head into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I think my opinion's gone from in the first month thinking it was largely a mirage, largely percentage based luck based to that feeling slowly slipping away as we move along here, because the sample's grown large enough that we're past the halfway in part part uh, halfway point, And we're, just at that 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 area of the the season when teams tend to fall off that are on these you know hot streaks, but when I'm looking at at the Canucks, not only do they have that star talent that Canucks fans uh, love with 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 the Pedersons and and the Quinn Hughes and and J T Miller, but you know Dakota Joshua and players like like him and and you know I guess Horonic is a first pair defenseman, but still like th- these guys are having career years, and I think that. Most of what this team is doing is real. I think there's still a bit of that that uh, boost, uh, the fairy dust on them, if you will, um, in terms of the percentages. But there's there's certain underlying numbers that are actually in their favor. I mean, I'm looking at a document right now that has the Sport Logic data from from Monday, so it's dated by a couple of days. But the Vancouver Canucks, uh, they are the 12th best team uh, at generating offense from the inner slot. That's 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 the spot that you want to generate offense from. They're, they are getting their goals in, in the hard-earned, um, high-percentage ways. That's that's repeatable. If you keep doing that, if you keep um, yourself in that range of the you know the top 12 teams at inner slot shots, that's really good. Um, they're possessing the puck a lot in in the offensive zone. Offensive zone. They're fifth in that category right now. There's there's things like that that offset these other percentages where it's shooting percentage, you know, overall or save percentage overall. So I've, I guess I've become more of a believer in, in every passing game and the fact that they haven't had any major dips throughout the season. Um, and the fact that they've really adjusted to, to Rick talking and the way that he operates and there's a clear buy in there. I just, I, I find it hard not to get behind them, uh, as, as maybe not like in the top tier of contenders, but certainly in that second tier. The debate going on around here now is kind of how all in do you go based on this season, especially because they haven't really been in this position before in the past few years. Uh, and you mentioned that the guys having career years like Dakota Joshua, Philip Peronik has, has been really good. And, and there's a few others as well. 
as a general kind of discussion, how all in do you think teams should go when they when they have all the all these things working at once? And like you don't know when it's going to end. It could end this season or it could end next season. Like how all in should the Canucks be willing to go to to capitalize on this season? Uh, I mean. <sighs> I guess I would say like 75% all in, if that makes sense, if we want to put a number on it. Mm -hmm. I don't think they should completely sell the farm. I don't think they should blow up the team by adding, you know, four or five bodies. But if they can make some improvements, you know, one, two, max three players, um, as far as everyday players, I think that's certainly worth it. I'm looking at the Western Conference and, and, you know, it's it's fairly wide open. I mean, I, I, I think the Avalanche are very scary. Um, I think when the Golden Knights are, uh, you know, no, no longer injured, <laughs> they're really dealing with the health issues right now, they can be scary, and Edmonton as well. But, like, beyond that, and I know that's three teams, but I think that Vancouver is, like, right below that. So, you know, if they want to kind of go into that upper echelon, um, I think that they could they could do some work around the edges. But as you mentioned, Josh, I think that there's, there's a real temptation here to, to go crazy to go all in, but I almost feel like the, the, how well they played almost would you, should, should deter management from going all in, if that makes sense. It, it, I think that you can believe in a lot of what they've done and, and in the chemistry and just try to make, again, one, two, three moves. And, you know, does that involve Jay Gensel coming here? I guess that would be semi all in. That would be, if that's your only move, let, let's call that a 75% all in if that's your only move. Um, or is it just something where you're getting a depth forward and a depth defenseman and you move on with your life? Because they're set in goal. And I just think that the core of this team is is, is so strong right now that you don't want to, I guess, mess with, with the magic. So, yeah, elsewhere in the Western Conference, um, I wanted to get into two teams. And we'll start with the Oilers because 14 wins in a row uh, – underlying numbers have been have been good all year and now they're kind of starting to reflect that on the ice how how like difficult is it going to be to to play this team in the playoffs if they can get a few saves from Stuart Skinner and if everybody on that team can kind of keep playing how they're playing right now well I think we're almost back to square one with the Oilers right now because coming into the season I mean I know I had them in the cup final as a prediction against Carolina but Carolina, not the greatest pick at this point. Um, but that was based on how they looked on paper, right? That's how we make our preseason uh, predictions. And it's been a long road to get here. But I think that if you were to, to, to do those predictions again right now at this point in time, I mean, they would be on my short list coming out of the Western Conference. And so it's, it's, it's been a slog. It, you know, it, a coach got fired. But I think that they are what they are more or less right now. Um, and, and, and that's, that's perfectly fine as far as, uh, expectations and everything. And, you know, I was just actually looking back on their percentages and, and, you know, shooting percentage and, and save percentage. And since, um, Woodcroft was fired and, and they, they've gotten Knobloch in there. I mean, they are sixth in shooting percentage in the league and they are fourth in, in, in save percentage. So they've gotten their saves. They've, they've been getting their luck offensively and, Obviously, the new coach helps, you know, psychologically. It, it motivates players. You know, there's there's a few system things that are going on there in Edmonton that are helping them play better defense. But I think overall, it was the percentages going back in their favor. 
and that includes obviously Skinner playing playing better and also McDavid looking a lot healthier. I mean, that first month and a half or so, he did not look like uh, vintage Connor McDavid, and now he's starting to get to that point if, if he isn't already. So they're one of those teams where you go, maybe we all sort of overreacted at the beginning of the season because there was so much runway for them to turn it around, and now they've turned it around, and they're, they're a huge threat. Uh, meanwhile, in L.A., it's kind of been the opposite. They started really hot, and now they're they're kind of free-falling down the standings. Do you think the Kings are going to snap out of this? Like, what what needs to change for L.A. to, to get themselves kind of back into, like, they're still in the playoffs, but back into uh, being a real threat once they hit the playoffs? Well, so their defensive metrics across the board, like, you name it, Josh, if you were to throw – goals against, expected goals against, you know, slot shots against, any metric, they're top five. And they've been top five all year. They're an absolute juggernaut defensively under Todd McClellan. And what it comes down to then is, are they going to score enough goals? Because their goaltending has been pretty good too. I mean, Cam Talbot's going to the All-Star game. Um, obviously, it helps that he's been behind this, this behemoth of a defensive system. But you've got up front, you know, on paper, Kopitar, Deneau, Dubois, and some pretty good wingers. I mean, it's not exactly a murderer's row, but L.A. should at least be like a, a top 15 offensive team, and they're just not this year. And, a, you know, a big sore spot has been Dubois. He's, he's underperformed in a major way, especially after getting that, that massive contract, and especially with uh, the players that he got traded for that are now in Winnipeg uh, doing quite well for themselves. So... With LA, it's I really believe in in what they're doing defensively. Like I think they're, the 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 consistency's been there from from wire to wire this wire to wire this season, and I think Cam Talbot's shown enough that that we can, uh, as a hockey community, trust him. And maybe they add a a partner at the deadline to to sort of beef up there. But it's going to come down to goals. Who who's pulling the trigger? And that's not that's not news in 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 LA. I mean. They got Kevin Fiala for that exact reason, uh, you know, uh, whatever that was, 18 months ago. They, they, they failed to, to have these high-end finishers, and they do have Adrian Kempe, and they, you know, Kopitar can be really deadly offensively some nights. So it's not like they're, it's impossible, but with, with L.A., I mean, uh, going into the deadline, I would look for them to be spicy as far as uh, trying to acquire some offensive talent. Hey, John, we got to run, but I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a good one. No problem. Have a good one. Cheers. There is John Mattis, senior NHL writer for The Score. You can follow him on Twitter at Mattis with a Z. John. Um, Before we go to break, I did want to mention the latest on the 2018 Canadian World Junior case. So today, police in London, Ontario told five members of the 2018 World Junior Hockey team to surrender to face charges of sexual assault. Uh, We don't know who these players are and they haven't been charged yet but they have been given a set period of time to present themselves at London Police Headquarters, and London Police are also holding a press conference on Monday, February 5th. That's the most recent update. We'll continue to provide updates here on Sportsnet 650 and across uh, Sportsnet as the story evolves, but for now, that is the latest. It is the People Show. Josh Elliott will filling in for Bick Nazar. On the other side, Danny Kelly is going to join us. It is the People Show on Sportsnet 650.